With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, Ed McGrogan here once again. It is the latest across the podcast, our daily audio recap of all things Wimbledon. I uh, decided last minute we would push this uh, seventh seventh recording to Sunday as opposed to uh, interrupting your 4th of July plans on Saturday for one. Thought it was best to really kind of take stock at this midpoint and obviously right before a very busy Monday of play here. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll have a, another series of previews coming from Steve Tigner as well about Monday's fourth-round matches. And I think that's where we want to start here on, on today's show. Uh, clearly at the top of that list, Serena Williams versus Venus Williams. Um, there was a, a number of good stats that have been put out about this match from the WTA Kevin Fisher and, and the crew over there do a nice job of of really you know, getting you know giving you all you want to know about about these two. Uh, it's 14-11 to Serena uh, Venus with the last win actually last year at the Rogers Cup um, for the it, during Grand Slams this the head to head is seven to five to Serena, but really as as the careers have progressed, you know, you have to you have to consider a lot of that history as the time when Venus was a healthier, more consistent player, and when Serena, frankly, was a worse player than she is now uh, at age 33. Uh, Venus now 35, so actually two. It's it's you know a year and change, but two numeric year difference between the two. Uh, they they come into this match with. You know, off of two, you know, off of two third-round matches that couldn't have gone more differently, with Serena really on the ropes uh, for almost the entire third set before, you know, before winning in the end. It was kind of, kind of like one of those, you know, an NHL a hockey game where you, you know, a, a team wins in overtime and it was the only time that they led the match at all, and technically they never even led it. Uh, because you know they score, they score, and the game is over instantly. Now Serena, of course, like when playing Heather Watson, was you know up in what seemed to be up pretty comfortably by a set before things really got fishy there, and uh, and that's when uh, you know that's when we saw the latest sort of uh, evidence from how Serena played during Roland Garros to uh, to see that over at Wimbledon too. It wasn't just exclusive to the Terba 2 uh, in Paris. And so, you know, getting Venus now in this round where 
Venus Williams has, you know, I think in many ways reminds me of how we, how we kind of view Roger Federer at Wimbledon as it, it is an event where no, you, the, the ills that have, that have dogged Venus throughout, you know, much of the last few years, they're kind of washed away at Wimbledon. And that is where we're going. That is where we will see no matter what she does before or after this year, this is, you know, I'm certain the best we the best tennis we're going to see from Venus Williams this season. And it's been very good so far. She, you know, she started the event 6-0-6-0, wins two other straight setters against Puznitsova, um, Putinseva, excuse me, and Krunic. You know, these are not poor players by any means. And you know, comes into her match against Serena in the form that you would expect she would have to continue to play in, you know, to beat her. And as I said before about this, you know, this matchup is that given the opportunity to to take out Serena, given that sort that chance with a you know a late break of serve lead in a match, Venus is you know one of the Maybe perhaps one of the only players, if not the only player, that that I could almost guarantee won't blink. Uh, unlike so many others have in the past few slams, uh, even you know even highly ranked players like a Sharapova, like an Azarenka, uh, I don't see I don't see Serena being able to wobble and kind of just hang on and pull it out at the end um, against Venus because. I think the you know I think one of the main reasons that Venus remains playing is is for these you know these handful of tournaments each year where they clearly have some huge meaning to her the Olympics is one the US Open is one and Wimbledon as a five-time champion is most certainly one so what I expect from what I expect is I expect a pretty a pretty strong start from from both women, truthfully, because I don't think Serena believes she could afford to get down and be able to come out on top against Venus. Um, and conversely, you know, it's up to Venus to kind of impose her game or try to do so on Serena because, uh, you know, Serena, of course, can, can get on a roll even against someone like her sister and she can still be rendered just as it can the match can be just as one-sided as other Serena matches we've seen. So it, it's a fascinating start to the day because this is actually going to be first on uh, on center court. Uh, the, you know the women's quarterfinals will, will be played the next day, all four of them. So it's a uh, it's an incredible table. It's incredible, you know, really first course to Monday's play. At the All England Club, um, and you know, from there on out, it, it's it's not as if the the women's matches beyond that are lacking by any means, but that is most certainly uh, the one we're going to want to see there. The other, you know, the other fourth rounders on the table, you know, a couple very good ones: Azarenka Bencic, you know, the winner that gets the, the Williams winner, and and I think. I think that's perhaps one of the more, you know, one of the best secondary matches uh, 
after Serena Venus. We we've seen so much of of Benchich on grass recently, and I think this is a this is an a big indicator of where we want to position Azarenka going forward. Um, and obviously, if if we're to believe that Azarenka perhaps is getting is clawing closer and closer to where she is capable of presenting the challenge to to a Serena Williams, to a Venus Williams on grass, I think we'll kind of get a lot of that answered for us in this match against Benchic. Um, that match is on, I believe this gets a court, court number, if not center court, is not center. Court, well, excuse me, court 12. How about that? It, so, you know, if you're out there, my gosh, that this is one of those, the byproducts of, of the fourth round Manic Monday that you're getting some fantastic matches on, you know, distant courts compared to all the others. I mean, court number 12 is uh, a far cry from where you'll be, you know, where any of these matches will be contested after Monday, everything gets pretty much pushed to, to number one and center after this. Um, you know, it, it really is obviously one of those tickets that uh, tennis fans dream of because there's just it's an embarrassment of riches. And we'll try to cover it as, uh, as thoroughly as possible with, you know, everything that's going on. Um, going down the top half, Sharapova gets Diaz. Um, I back Sharapova all the way. Not going to change here. Vandaway Safarova and um, and the question really becomes you know when do we really start putting our our chips behind behind Vandaway for what she's been able to do because that Stozer match is an eye opener um, and Safarova you do get the feeling that that for as well as Safarova has sort of maneuvered her way to this spot in the draw. That it wouldn't necessarily be a huge upset if she does go down to Vandaway, despite Coco being unseated, uh, just because of the game she has, and I and I could you know I could see that being being the result of this because I think when we get to the bottom half of the draw, we talk about Madison Keys, you know at this point in the tournament, you look at that bottom half and and really a lot of the pressure is now put on Keys as a Grand Slam semifinalist, as someone who really has a, a, a much clearer path to those later rounds than we would have thought going in. Uh, that the, you know, the, the spotlight hasn't yet been, been cast on Vandaway yet, and I think that's you know, clearly to her benefit. And you know, it, it's, There's a lot of pressure on that Safarova feels as well because of the, you know, the status that she's achieved with her run to to the uh, French Open final. You know, that was a good, you know, we talk about this top half of the draw and and really how stacked it is. And that was a good question that we got today from uh, at taping one at T-A-I-P-I-N-G 11, taping 11, saying, Serena Venus, Vika Maria, Coco Lucy, what a bloodbath. Can anyone from the top half still fight one more match in the final? And that's something to keep in mind when we consider that, you know, amongst that group, whoever emerges from that, the the opposite is going to really hold true, of course, in that 
someone will emerge from this bottom half of the women's draw and most certainly will have not played the the caliber of matches to get to the final as the, as this top half did um, that you know the, the physical toll that that takes or that you know that takes quote unquote on the top half and doesn't take quote unquote on the bottom half to me that is not an issue really at all because you're still playing the same amount of matches it's not as if in it's not as if say I'll go back to hockey as if a hockey team plays you know, three best of three seven game series to reach the final, as opposed to a team in another conference, you know, playing four game sweeps and and five game wins of series to get to the final, where there's an actual measurable physical uh, accumulation that one team has and the other doesn't. That's not the issue at all in comparing the top half and the bottom half. Uh, the as I said, the sort of the pressure that it will shift to that top half winner because it, it seems almost certain that that whoever does emerge from the top is going to get is going to be a pretty heavy favorite against whoever emerges from the bottom. Uh, at the bottom, the the top seed left is Wozniacki at five, uh, who plays Muguruza next round, and and that's a match that she certainly may not escape either because. Um, Muguruza clearly, I think, clearly reminding us of the the sort of the, the potency that she's got going, you know, really from the start. Still only 21. It does seem like she has been around for, for quite some time. Uh, her win over Kerber, you know, we talked going back to Saturday's matches, just a litany of big upsets with Kvitova going down to Yankovic. Uh, Bachinski beating Lazicki, Kerber's loss to Muguruza. That to me is is was if was the biggest one uh, in some ways. Uh, no, <laughs> the biggest one of this quarter of the draw, I should say, because I think a lot of people were kind of ready to put it in uh, for Kerber to take this quarter. Uh, Lazicki to me and her is kind of a coin flip match, but. Um, Kerber did have this, you know, this this tough third rounder with Muguruza to get by, and you know, of course, if she had gotten by, she still would have a lot to go. But I think Kerber had earned sort of the respect that she was being given from from the pundits, from the the Wimbledon fans, and uh, to go out was was a pretty big shock. And I think in that respect, we uh, we've got to be we've got to recall what. Muguruza has done in the past and not only now and it's going to be a pretty difficult test I think for Wozniacki to to get by uh, and to continue on in the tournament here it's you know this is definitely one of the best matches of the day two on the women's side uh, there's a couple there's another big one that we'll get to but I think I think this is one of the more fascinating ones as well uh, Muguruza will be will be tested to see the kind of consistency but but aggressive consistency as well that Wozniacki is going to demand of her because obviously the uh, the defending abilities of Wozniacki will be put on full display in this match. Um, Muguruza's serve, I think, is a big key to this one as well. She can, you know, those type of free points that she can... that. In in doing so, avoiding those very taxing long rally points that, 
you know, Wozniacki trades in very well is going to be, uh, I think, pretty much kind of the battle that's waged between these two. You move down, um, Bachinski, Nicolescu. Nicolescu has gotten here beating Monica, excuse me, Monica Puig, Yana Sefalova, Christina Pliskova, not Karolina. Uh, Bachinski, this is another uh, French Open success story, not to mention you know much of the much of the year leading up to Paris. Uh, but uh, someone that that you know has has taken that and has brought it to the All England Club here, uh, Bachinski with with that French Open experience, getting you know very deep at Roland Garros, you do have to like her against um, a veteran but yet unseated Nicolescu here. The last two matches that we'll see, Gavortseva and Keys, Gavortseva qualifier still still around. Um, Defeated Rabarakova to make the fourth to make the fourth round. Keys had no trouble over Maria six four six four to get here, and you know this this match clearly all on Keys, um, and we're gonna get a sense right away of of where kind of the willingness of her to embrace what has been a spotlight that will be shifted to her pretty much as soon as the uh, Venus Serena match concludes. Uh, Keys Gavortseva. I'm kind of curious to see what court that is on as well. That's actually going to also lead play. So they'll be playing concurrently. Keys Gavortseva gets court 18, uh, 11:30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Keys a big favorite in this one to me. I don't think there's any. Re- I don't think there's any re- way to overthink it. But um, Keys still has a lot to prove, despite what she's been able to accomplish in a pretty short time. And this is a match, real realistically, that she needs to win to, I think, earn uh, earn back and to continue to earn that uh, established title of her name uh, and really what she can bring to uh, the game overall going forward. And then finally, you're left with you know a bit of a a bit of a throwback here to to wrap up, um, you know, going top to bottom the women's draw. With Rodwanska versus Yankovic. Yankovic with that big win over Kvitova, coming back from a set and a breakdown. You know, Rodwanska's story, in a way, is perhaps just as interesting. She really, you know, starting the year off with Martina Navratilova as her coach, as, you know, one of her coaches, but, you know, didn't work out really for either of them. And we're really only finally seeing. The Radwanska we've we've known for a while, uh, you know, leads the head-to-head five-two over Yankovic. Uh, their last meeting uh, last year in Rome, Yankovic winning that six-four, six-four. Um, but up to that point, it's actually been all Radwanska in their matches. Uh, you know, Yankovic won their first one. She's bookended the seven matches they played with wins. Uh, she's won both on clay. Radwanska won all five on hard. This is their first on grass. For that reason alone, uh, an interesting one to see. But also, you know, you want to see where you want to see really a how Yankovic backs this up. Uh, her win over Kvitova, and B, you know, are we finally going to get um, the Radwanska that you know is she rounding into the form that maybe we've suspected has has kind of been underneath the surface all along this year. Uh, and this is finally the time it comes out on the her preferred grass courts. 
Um, so that's the you know that's the women's draw for uh, for Monday, and it's a really good one. Um, <clears throat> clearly, some you know as I say, it's some some disparity between the top and bottom of the draw, but it's um, I think in ways that all makes the end product a little more compelling of how it turns out. Um, before we get to the men's draw, you know a good question from uh, at FHAT Nancy at Fat Nancy. Uh, she says, Matt's Vlander says Nick Kyrgios could win Wimbledon. Thoughts? Um, yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of substantial Kyrgios talk. You know, with uh, with his win in the prior round over Raonic there. Um, <clears throat> like I said, Kyrgios the guy no one wants to face. Yeah, I don't. You know, Djokovic doesn't want to see him when he gets to the semis if he gets there. Stan, if he wins, could face Kyrgios as well. Um, you know, we'll start where Kyrgios is right now. He's going to play Richard Gasquet, and they last year at Wimbledon, if you recall, played a match that ended 10-8 in the fifth, and a match even more astonishingly in which Gasquet had nine match points come and go. Um, just shocking that, and I, I would like to remember how many of those were on. Kyrgios to serve because you'd have to hope for Gasquet's sake that you know eight of them, eight of those nine were were because of Kyrgios, pretty much aces or winners off of uh, service points. But you know Gasquet, for his credit, says he's looking forward to playing Kyrgios again here, saying he likes you know he kind of likes the the attitude and the way he comp- he presents himself, kind of that the game needs personalities like him and. You know, the better part is Kyrgios, in the end, is is a player that the game needs. And, uh, you know, the kind of just, you know, take no prisoners and, and really just caution to the wind attitude that, that is how he has won as much as he was won already. Uh, you do love to see it. And I'm, I, I truthfully, I'm pretty surprised that, that Gasquet had as little trouble with Dimitrov as he did in the previous round. I know the head-to-head is was heavily in favor of him, but pretty pretty one-sided nonetheless. And in playing Kyrgios in this fourth round, um, you know, I do, I do, I think that those those battle scars can still be. There's still some tissue on there that Gasquet may have to contend with if he even gets to that advantageous spot where he has match points again this time against Kyrgios but I do like um, I do like Kyrgios to continue on this and uh, if he happened to play Vavrinka in the quarters and you know Vavrinka plays Gofan next round um, but you know to me this is again you know like Kyrgios's match the match is on Vavrinka's racket and we're, we've seen already how how Stan has been able to continue on um, his strong play from Paris on to here. Vavrinka Kyrgios would be just such a treat in the quarters. Um, Do hope we kind of see it, to be honest with you. Um, Top half, you move upward. We start at the bottom of that top half. Dennis Kudla, another wild card that's made his way in here against Chilich. Chilich gets the day off after that second day of play with Isner. I think that's that's an important... uh, Important one for him uh, to you know to not have that rhythm disrupted by two straight days of play. You know, one of those days being the fourth round. Uh, 
for Ch- for Chilich to already have put in three matches, one of them really a crucible test against Isner. He's shown enough to me where in this tournament we may, we could certainly take take Chilich as a credible threat here, and you know I don't see Kudla being able to put him out of that for sure. It's uh, you know. I think it's I think it's fine time and due time that the U.S. Open champion really f- finally has awakened in uh, in 2015. I think Kudla is kind of the next one to kind of f- to feel that uh, you know that turnaround from Chilich going forward. And up on top, as I said, Djokovic Anderson. This is a big one for t- for uh, Monday. This will not be an easy one, I don't think, for Djokovic. He he also has to wait until the end of the day, pretty much on court number one. He gets he gets an off center billing, but he gets to uh, he he'll have to wait around until you know you got to think pretty close to noon Eastern time, eleven thirty noon to get going. That last match on for him. You know, in, in some ways, I think that that uncertainty of when you might uh, end up on court could, you know, can throw things off a little bit. Of course, you take Djokovic if you're, you know, just predicting it straight out. But, but Anderson really, with what, you know, what he has shown, getting up to number 14 in the rankings, uh, you know, the hard hitting, the serve, you know, it's really good stuff on grass. And uh, for Djokovic, that's um. It's going to test his patience, which in many ways has been Djokovic's undoing in the past, and he's progressively gotten you know so much better uh, about that as you know as he's become you know such a much more established player. And but but nonetheless, uh, that's really where you know what this match boils down to for me is you know. If Anderson rattles off some three ace games, some quick love holds, Djokovic, uh, you know, can he can he kind of put that aside enough to really just focus on his baseline game, focus on the obvious superiority that he has against Anderson in that regard? Um, and you know, to me, uh, uh, the start will tell us kind of where this match goes. If it is a slow start, this could end up being a long match. But if Djokovic can kind of really sink his teeth in pretty early, it could be over just as quickly too. Um, that's the top half of the men's draw. Bottom half, Pospisil Troitsky. Pospisil really a good story from this tournament too. Did not expect him to get this far. He got further than Raonic, uh, which I think... For him to emerge further than Raonic or Bouchard on the women's side in terms of what round they got to, you know, lots of uh, lots to be said for Pospisil and his, you know, the way he's brought about attention this tournament. Applause of the day, I think, for that reason goes to Mr. Pospisil. Um, still has it in singles, not just a, not just a doubles king with uh, with Jack Sock at Wimbledon. Troitsky tough test. Troitsky, I do, you know, I do on grass sort of like him a little bit here with, you know, the way he hits the ball. Um, deceptively hard hitter, goes for a little more flat. Um, Pospils can hit the hell out of the ball too, but this Troitsky renaissance um, seems to be emerging here. 
and I think this is you know perhaps another five setter. Uh, both these possibles have been a few of those, and uh, for Troitsky, I do kind of pick him on this one uh, if if pressed to it. Um, speaking of grass players, Karlovich and Murray, I think I think truthfully this is going to be one of the days better matches, not for the actual tennis we're going to see, but really the drama that comes down to uh, the few opportunities that Murray and Karlovich really will have when they're returning serve and how important each of those points are that they have to get a crack at each other's serves, get a crack at a break. You know, we have it on center court, of course, at 1 p.m., um, Start, date, start of play 1 p.m. local time. He'll, Murray and Karvich are second on right after Venus and Serena, and uh, and it's it's you know it's another match of testing patience, of course. Murray in particular, and this is another guy who you know he hasn't made yet the the significant uh, jumps that Djokovic has, but you know both of these two still, when presented with really you know, difficult situations, pressure situations. Not that they can't hit their way out of them, but you're going to just hear it from them. At a certain point, they just crack. And Karlovich can make anybody snap with how well he's hitting it, how, you know, just how quick a point can be, can come and go with his serve. And you, you just feel helpless out there, it seems like. And uh, for Murray, uh, like I said, I've, who I think has a great chance overall at this event, this is a tough fourth rounder to get, uh, no doubt about it. To face Karlovich and to see, uh, you know, to see really the um, the knife edge sort of tightrope walk that he's going to have to do to get by here. Uh, last two matches: Burdich and Simone, Federer, Batista, Goop. Uh, Federer, you know, I'm kind of all in on Roger for this match. Um, he, I know he's played Batista Goot at a major pretty recently before, and I think he. Pretty much totally had his way. I think they may have been at the Open pretty recently, maybe last year. Um, I go Federer kind of all the way in this one. Roger, I think it's going to be once we get to the next round, perhaps against the Burdich, uh, we'll really kind of get, you know, kind of get the sense of how on Roger is overall at Wimbledon. I think he is on. I think I think. Like Venus, where this is the best tennis we're going to see from Roger all year is, is is this fortnight, and it'll come down to is this week's tennis good enough against anybody else? It's I think it's certainly going to be tomorrow against RBA. Um, going forward, that's the big question. Burdich and Simone Burdich, um, no guarantee for him to win this either because I do like Simone coming through that tough. Five setter against against Monfils, you know, match switches courts from number one to under the roof on center. You know, Mon- Simone ends up running away with the Monfils match in the fifth. You know, that's typically a time where, if it gets to that stage and Monfils had already had his little run to take the match to that juncture, you um, you know, that's traditionally tough to uh, to handle that momentum. And Simone diffused it like he does with so many big hitters, you know, with his style of play. And, you know, in, in some ways I do kind of like, uh, i kind of going to go with the upset there of Simone over Burdich. Um, you know, Burdich really 
has had a nice year in some respects, but in, when it's in terms of measurables for his uh, his status, you know, with the with the elite, it just hasn't measured up at the slams. For some reason, I like Simone here. Simone could be a tough test for Federer too. I wouldn't sleep on that either. Um, you know, last question I wanted to take this one uh, at hooray underscore k goes. Why don't they have the floodlights at Wimbledon so they can continue when light fades? And and this goes back to that Simone Monfils match, uh, where you know it has to be brought to center, has to go under the roof to get the light. Um, but truthfully, I like it in a way because I you know in respect to all things Wimbledon, the all whites, um, the middle Sunday where we're talking right now, where you get this nice I think day of rest, which is good for the players, the fans, everybody involved. Um, it's it's a good time to reset. You don't need to have a crazy you don't need to have a crazy schedule like all the other slams do. Wimbledon traditionally always does it right. It always works, and I think that can even include uh, no lighting as well on their courts. It just it just wouldn't feel right. Um, I guess you maybe you have to go to Wimbledon to kind of understand that or to get that uh, sensation, but. Lights at Wimbledon don't work for me, and let's keep it that way, along with everything else. Um, we'll keep it going here tomorrow, the Across the Podcast. We will definitely talk after Monday's play. There will be a ton to discuss after 16, round of 16 matches. At that point, we'll be on the quarterfinals, which start you know a few hours later on the women's side. Uh, tweet your questions at Ed McGrogan, E-D-M-C-G-R-O-G-A-N. We'll take them all on the next podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Ed McGrogan for Tennis.com. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.